Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, how are you sleeping these days? Is your day night and your night day? Today we're going to talk about sleep or stress. Which came first? We're going to give tips for lowering your cortisol levels for better sleep, and a spider is going to make its way across my desk in the middle of my podcast. See if I... What is my stress response like? That and so much more coming up on this episode of The Virtual Couch. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take a second. And yes, this is uh, this is an ad, but I, I want this to be a little bit different right now. Honestly, whether or not you click through my link or follow the referral code I'm about to give you um, is a bit irrelevant. I think for right now, with a lot of the things that we're kind of dealing with as a country, as a world, the, the pandemic around COVID-19, the coronavirus, that there are a lot of people that are struggling with some of their mental health challenges. And I know that because of the texts that I get as a therapist, that people are worried about getting into uh, to see their therapist, especially if they've worked on a lot of things in the past. And so I just want to encourage you to reach out to your therapist. A lot of therapists do have telehealth options available. I know that's, uh, I reached out to my, a lot of my clients yesterday, let them know that. But if you, if yours doesn't, or if you um, are really, I don't know, maybe this is the thing that has caused you to feel like you really do want to talk to somebody or you are having maybe an extra bit of anxiety or uh, depression has kind of kicked in, then online therapy really is, um, it does work. And so uh, go to betterhelp.com if you want, betterhelp.com slash virtual couch to get 10% off your first month. Again, I hope you can tell that the last thing I want to do is sound like I'm trying to capitalize on this, but I feel like um, betterhelp.com has been an amazing partner and I get feedback uh, regularly of people that didn't realize that uh, the world of online counseling could be as beneficial as it could be. So um, just just head over there if you want the 10% off your first month. You can use uh, my code, thebetterhelp.com slash virtual couch. But regardless, just uh, if you really need help, online counseling is there and they have an amazing assessment tool to get you matched up to the right person. And obviously, you don't have to leave your home. You can do it uh, video. You can do phone. They do text, email, that sort of thing. And there's uh, it's available worldwide. So let me just kind of end it there. And uh, if you need the help, please either please reach out to your own therapist, see if they're still um, working with people, whether it's, uh, you know, over the phone or telehealth, teletherapy. And if you, if you're really struggling with some uh, mental health issues or anxiety, depression, that sort of thing, then at least give betterhelp.com uh, a try as well. And again, if you feel like it, betterhelp.com slash virtual couch gives you 10% off the first month. Um, but all right. Hey, I wish you all the best and, uh, and uh, you know, let's get to today's show. Thanks. Episode 196 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and co-author of the best-selling book, He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An Expert and a Former Addict to Answer Your Questions, in which I play the role of the expert and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people like you reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anybody that you know is struggling to put pornography behind them once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a strength-based, hold the shame, become the person you always knew you could be way, then please head over to pathbackrecovery.com and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to get rid of pornography once and for all again. That's pathbackrecovery.com and uh, please stop by the virtual couch page on Instagram and you can also find a Tony Overbay licensed marriage and family therapist uh, page on Facebook. And if you have a minute and you've enjoyed any of the virtual couch podcast material, please do me a favor and anywhere that you, you subscribe or listen, um, please rate and review the podcast wherever you get those podcasts. 
podcast. It does mean a lot. And go to TonyOverbay.com and click on courses. Uh, I mean, sign up for the email to find out more about things that are coming up. But on courses, I have an absolutely free parenting class that is available right now. So please sign up. It will make you, uh, it will help you become a better parent. It's called Tips for Parenting Positively, even in the not so positive times. And uh, I hope you understand why it can be so difficult to communicate with and understand these uh, tiny, sometimes not so tiny humans that play such a major role in your happiness and your well being. And more importantly, it's based on the nurture heart approach, which is an amazing parenting technique that I have employed in my own life. And I teach, I preach, I haven't, I talk about in sessions on a daily basis, but you'll learn how to keep your buttons hidden. You'll learn how to genuinely give praise that will, um, honest to goodness, build inner wealth. You'll learn how shame does not help in parenting. It doesn't help in addiction. It doesn't help in parenting. Um, you're not going to shame somebody into going, huh, I think I want to be a better person. Um, but it builds this inner wealth and you're going to learn how to move from being what I like to call the punisher to being somebody that your children will want to go to when they need help. And I'm not saying that it's that I'm just going to be their best friend and hang out with them. No, you're, you're building a relationship. And if, if that wasn't the relationship that you had with your parents, then uh, regardless, give this a listen. Go get the free parenting course. And if you're local in the Northern California, in particular the Sacramento area, I'm going to be on Good Day Sacramento this Thursday. It's uh, sometime between the 7 and 7.30 hour. And with uh, with the shelter in place, I will not be going into the studio. It will be a Zoom conference. And so um, I am scared to death of my internet connection. So Thursday morning between 7 and 7.30. And I'll plan on putting that up on my website and on my Facebook page and that sort of thing. But uh, I think it's the three to five minute segment on positive parenting. So that will be this Thursday. Hey, and one more thing. Last week's episode was on EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy, where I talked to about a amazing couples technique to help improve communication because a lot of couples are spending a lot of time, I was going to say on top of each other, but spending a lot of time together right now with, with uh, shelter in place orders and people that aren't going, aren't, aren't working as much right now. And I put a challenge out there that you are welcome to email me at contact at tonyoverbay.com and give me the scenario that you have in your home. Maybe one of these raw spots, a communication pattern that is not very healthy about a specific topic. And I will cover that on a future episode. I received a lot of wonderful examples of where communication breakdowns occur, how communication fails in the home. And I want to model that. I want to frame that. I have people in my office often say, hey, if I've never had an EFT kind of conversation modeled, if I didn't see that in my home growing up, then I I really don't understand. I understand the concepts of EFT, but I really don't know what that sounds like. So I'm going to do an episode or two on taking a an email and of course I won't uh, I won't go into details if you don't want me to whatever you're going to share with me and I will frame that in an EFT con- context. So please send those to me at contact at tonyoverbay.com. All right, let's get to today's topic. And today's topic is the connection between cortisol and sleep disorders. And if that doesn't sound exciting, please stay with me because a lot of people struggle with their sleep. And I did a I did a Instagram story. Look at me sounding like an old man. I was about to say an Instagram lie. I did an Instagram story last night as I was wrapping up therapy, a, a full day of therapy. And what I'm continuing to hear in my office, especially over the last couple of weeks, is just this uh, day is night and night is day for the people that that are at home. That without a lot of structure, without a lot of reasons to get up, not saying that in a very dramatic way of no reason to get up in the morning, but literally, if there isn't school, if there isn't work, that especially the teenagers, it sounds like, is in my home in particular, or for sure, 
are just sleeping later and later in the day and staying up more and more in the night. I had a teenager tell me, and I thought this was really fascinating. They said they're so bored during the day that sleeping all day is almost a way to just pass the time. And they feel like everybody else is awake at night, whether they're playing video games uh, together, social video gaming, or whether they are just, uh, they're just uh, FaceTime or whatever they're doing, but that it's primarily happening late at night. And then the later they stay up, um, the, the later than they sleep in the next day. I told a story last night on my Instagram story where I was doing some press for my positive parenting program last week on the East Coast. So I needed to be into my office a little bit before 5 a.m. Pacific time. So I left my home. I got up early and I was leaving around 3.30 or 3.45 in the morning. And I swear on my way downstairs, I smelled cookies. And sure enough, uh, one of my daughters was baking some sugar cookies. And then, you know, my son was playing a game. I had another daughter that was doing a puzzle. And this was like at 3.30 or 3.45 in the morning. Everybody was like, hey, Dad. And uh, I feel like that's been the case. I've had to get up pretty early um, a few different mornings. And usually there's somebody awake. And they're not just, you know, bleary-eyed on the couch. They're wide awake and they're making food or they just got out of the shower or they're playing a game or that sort of thing. So... And again, I mention this because this isn't just in my home. I, I still see a handful of teenage clients and I know that that is happening. And I see couples or people that are coming to see me for parenting tips or parenting techniques or parenting help. And that is, I think, pretty much the number one answer right now. People that are wondering, you know, is something, is something bad? Is something wrong? My teenager is staying up all night and sleeping all day. And so that's a little bit uh, normal right now. But so I wanted to do an episode and talk a little bit about the connection between cortisol, which is this stress hormone, and sleep disorders. And sleep disorders, it doesn't have to mean that you have a diagnosed sleep disorder such as insomnia or, or sleep apnea or one of these things, but really just that, that, that stress response, the cortisol uh, response and sleep disorders. And I found an amazing article by, he, he is known as the sleep doctor, Dr. Michael, and I think it's Brios. So I'm just going to call him Dr. Michael uh, throughout this, this episode. But his website is thesleepdoctor.com. And this article that I'm going to refer to is very recent, and it's from psychologytoday.com um, in a blog called Sleep News. And again, it's the connection between cortisol and sleep disorders. So uh, Dr. Michael says that one one big question is this, and I have often wondered this, and that's why I wanted to, do, to especially do a podcast on this topic. One big question, does too high cortisol cause sleep disorders, such as insomnia and sleep apnea, or is the high cortisol or this high stress response a result of those sleep disorders? So which, can, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? And Dr. Michael says that the answer is complex. It's one that scientists are still reaching for and that we truly don't have a clear uh, understanding of the directionality of the relationship between sleep disorders and cortisol and something called the HPA axis. And so I, I wanted to dive a little bit into this and he, he lays this out in a very easy to understand way. So the short answer is it's likely some of both. So I'm going to cover a little bit of what this uh, this cortisol and sleep relationship is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of uh, nerd out here for a second on this thing called the HPA axis. And it's going to help you understand what what role or how cortisol, the stress hormone, the stress response, how it truly does work and how it affects us in so many different ways, including um, not just in areas of sleep, but in mental health in general. And at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about how to lower 
that cortisol, those cortisol levels or lower that stress response. And I think that's going to really help a lot. Uh, Dr. Michael has some amazing things that I get to talk about on a daily basis in session. So um, first of all, so he says again, the short answer is it's it's likely a little bit of both, the chicken or the egg. What comes first? The, the sleep disorders cause the extra cortisol levels or the extra cortisol levels then result in sleep disorders. So he said it's truly a two-way relationship. And so side note, this HPA access, I want to do a little, I want to try to explain this as, and as, uh, I don't know, as, as easily understandable terms as, as I could. And so I did a little digging and here's what the HPA access is. It's called the hypothalamic pituitary and adrenal access. Sounds exciting, but, but bear with me. There is a fascinating website called neuroscientificallychallenged.com. And aren't we all a little bit neuroscientifically challenged? I'll throw a link to this on the show notes, but they have a two minute video. And apparently this is an entire YouTube channel that this guy has uh, two minute videos, two minutes or less of explaining different neuroscientifically challenged questions. And so this first one he talked about was what is the HPA access? So I took some good notes. So he said that there's a group of hormone secreting glands, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland and the adrenal gland. And what I found pretty fascinating is as a kid, so I think if you listen to a bunch of podcasts or any of the ones uh, that, not any, but the ones I've done over time, I will often be very honest that I am not a very tall man. Um, I stand a, a very dominating five foot eight, perhaps with shoes on. And uh, it's so funny. I had a new client recently and I have this uh, thing where I have this waiting room outside of my office. And if I, I run out of my office, and my bladder is on a clock. There's a little too much information. Very well hydrated. Uh, maybe that's the runner in me. And so if I see somebody, hey, uh, you know, go on in, make yourself comfortable because I've got a fridge and water and snacks and that sort of thing. So person comes in and then we have a session. And, and, and I've been blessed with a nice full practice. I don't, I, I don't take new clients often. And so here's this new client. And so then uh, when the session's over, the person stands up. I had no idea how tall they were in the session. And I'm wearing these shoes that I really like, but you know, they, they set me about half an inch shorter than normal. And so it's as if I, you know, my first thought was I should have worn my taller shoes, but this guy's got me by about a foot. I mean, I'm talking maybe six, five, six, six, you know, six, seven, that sort of thing. And so I just thought, you know, I don't think the half an inch on my shoes is really going to matter very much, but I digress. So the reason I go into that is I used to be fascinated by the Guinness book of world's records. It sat there in the bathroom as uh, kids of the eighties and nineties, you know, we didn't have our phones or didn't, I mean, it was magazines or it was the Guinness Book of World's Records. And I was fascinated by the world's tallest man, Robert Wadlow. And I remember reading a little bit more about him. He grew to be eight foot 11 before he unfortunately passed, but he had a pituitary tumor. And I remember doing a little bit of, I think, probably looking in the encyclopedia at the time and finding that, you know, there were people that had uh, said that they had had, um, I don't know, injury or, or traumatic brain injury where they had stimulated the pituitary gland, which then caused this abnormal growth. And there were at times, I remember as a kid, thinking, is there a way to kind of just give my pituitary gland a little tap? Maybe that would uh, that would allow me to grow. But uh, now I find out that that's faulty science to begin with. So HPA access, a group of hormone secreting glands, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenal glands. And so this is what's kind of fascinating too. When you hear about cortisol, the stress hormone, and I like to talk about it often, but the hypothalamus and the pituitary glands, they're in the brain. They're kind of there around the brain stem. But the adrenal glands, they sit on top of the kidneys actually. So this HPA access 
It's actually designed to regulate the stress response. So when we encounter something stressful, and we often talk about going into fight or flight mode or that sort of thing. And so what happens is um, the hypothalamus actually releases this hormone and it's called the CRH and it stands for cortico-releasing hormone for those keeping score at home. But CRH, so then that signals the pituitary gland to, to go then release this other hormone called ACTH. It's something like adrenocorticotropic hormone. So you got the, uh, um, you know, you've got this uh, hypothalamus then releases the CRH, which then is a trigger for the pituitary to release this ACTH. And the ACTH travels down into the adrenal glands. And again, they're sitting on top of the kidneys. So that's what's pretty wild. The adrenal glands are down on top of the kidneys. And that signals the release of everybody's favorite hormone, cortisol. Uh, the, the stress hormone. So, and the release of cortisol, and, and it makes sense, right? So the cortisol then signals a number of responses that are alerting the body to things that are about to go down. I mean, it's, we're talking at stress time. And if you listen to the episode that my friend Laura Abraham came on and talked about with EMDR, which has been one of those that just has had uh, so much uh, feedback, it has legs. She gave one of the most incredible, I thought, explanations of stress and how that is why, you know, uh, people have to go to the bathroom, you know, their stomach hurts, their, all of these things, because your body is, is truly mobilizing. Um, it, you know, this next line that, uh, that the, this website talked about, it said that when cortisol is released, it helps mobilize energy creation from things like glucose. So the body will have the energy to go into good old fight or flight mode. So, so what Laura Abraham was talking about is when you have this fight or flight response, when this cortisol levels start to spike and the body is trying to pull um, uh, energy from anything, when it's just trying to you know, mobilize this energy creation from glucose, from the, the energy stores in your body, it's literally trying to say, all right, eliminate all unnecessary things in the body. A, you know, i.e. Go, go to the bathroom because it is time to fight or flight and we don't want extra stuff in our body. So when the cortisol levels are high, we're in fight or flight mode, then this is sensed by areas in the brain like the hypothalamus and the hippocampus. And you know, we know that things like the hippocampus is associated with things like short-term memory for one thing. So back to the article. So uh, I love where um, Dr. Michael's saying, so what is this relationship between sleep disorders, cortisol levels, and the HPA access? Now you know what the HPA access is. So research shows that heightened HPA access activity is linked to more restless and fragmented sleep and less slow wave sleep. And he says lower overall sleep amounts. So we've got this stress response and it can truly affect our sleep. So he said it strongly suggests a role for cortisol as a sleep disruptor and research, including there's a 2014 study that he, that he shows that talked about sleep deprivation is linked to higher cortisol levels. So, uh, and to a more extreme cortisol response in the presence of stress. So if you, if you, so here you see how it starts to feed on itself. So if you're already feeling this stress, there's a good chance you're not sleeping well. And if you don't sleep well, then sleep deprivation is actually linked to higher cortisol levels. And then when you experience the presence of stress, then the, the following day, let's just say, now this HPA access is kind of heightened. And so it produces more cortisol. So it just starts feeding on itself. So he says that's the HPA access going into action. And it's urging the body to get ready, to get in a state of fight or flight. So so Dr. Michael says this strongly suggests a role for sleep problems as aggravators of cortisol. And then there's some other studies that he links to that, that shows research between compromised sleep quality and, again, more of this heightened 
heightened HPA access activity. So what about specific sleep disorders such as insomnia? Dr. Michael says that high cortisol levels frequently appear with insomnia, but again, it's not clear if elevated cortisol is a cause or a consequence of insomnia. And it's, it's entirely possible that depending on the person's individual circumstances, cortisol then could be both a cause and a consequence. And, and I think I'm starting to see more and more of that, especially in light of things like the pandemic, where one moment somebody can feel like, you know, it's nice having my kids at home and it's nice just being able to, to not have as many commitments. But then here comes the fear, the fear of financial worries about job stress, about, you know, the kids or what are they missing out on? I've got a senior at home, uh, not senior as an elderly, but a senior in high school and she's going to miss prom. She's going to miss, you know, a graduation. And I'll start to think of that and think, Oh my gosh, my, 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 my baby, my girl, you know, she's, what's she missing out on? Make me feel bad. And, or I'm, I'm considered a, you know, I don't know if in all states we're talking about this term, but essential worker. So, I mean, I'm still working every day a lot. The demand's actually gone up for mental health, um, help with mental health. And so I, there are times where I feel like I'm missing out because everybody's at home playing Mario Kart all day. But so it's entirely possible, again, depending on your individual circumstances, that that alone could cause additional uh, of a stress response, which then could lead to poor sleep, which could lead to a heightened stress response. So let's hurry up and get the, you know, what do we do about this? Um, sleep apnea, that's another fascinating one, though. Dr. Michael says that obstructive sleep apnea is another sleep disorder with links to cortisol. Um, elevated cortisol levels are often present in people with sleep apnea, but it's not clear, again, whether cortisol contributes directly to the sleep apnea or if because of sleep apnea there are higher cortisol lever levels um, present. So high cortisol is associated with things like obesity as well as, here we go, a depression, anxiety, and other stress-related mood disorders. So these are conditions that, that often contribute and occur alongside insomnia and sleep apnea. Maybe you can see where I, I'm pulling all this together. So these are also, whether it's uh, obesity or depression or anxiety, are also conditions that are strongly associated with poor sleep, even in the absence of, of clinical formal sleep disorders. So a lot of times when people aren't sleeping well, that, that does lead to anxiety. It does lead to depression. And now we know because that, because of this uh, HPA access, could be leading to higher cortisol levels, which will lead to more of this fight or flight response and a more uh, uh, stress response when we run into triggers the following day. So he says that we've got a lot of work to do to better understand the mechanisms of how cortisol affects sleep, but uh, we can already see that it goes hand in hand with this out of balance uh, and disordered sleep. So he says what to remember, high cortisol um, may be a consequence of common sleep disorders. It also may be a contributor to sleep disorders and it's a contributor to other health problems, weight gain, stress that undermine healthy sleep. So how do you naturally improve cortisol levels? So he says that we got to we got to really be aware of keeping our cortisol levels in check. The HPA access activity from ramping up too high can contribute to healthier sleep and sleeping better. Um, making enough time for nightly sleep, adhering to a consistent sleep routine, and that can be so difficult right now. But practicing other fundamentals of sleep hygiene, that's one way to lower cortisol. And here are some others. He says, practice regular light to moderate exercise. So research shows that moderate exercise does not create a short-term spike in cortisol. So intense exercise can, in fact, uh, pr produce this, this spike in cortisol. So it is, it is not... Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm so over not wanting to shame someone. So you should not, you know, I'm trying to shoot on someone, right? But uh, it might not be a good idea to do the high intensity exercises, right? Or close to bedtime because they can spike cortisol levels. But what can work in lowering cortisol levels is a light to moderate exercise like yoga 
or like Tai Chi. So he says that these are two fantastic and gentle mind-body exercises for sleep, and they have been shown in scientific studies to lower cortisol. So it might be something that you can do a, a kind of a light to moderate exercise closer to bedtime. And then here is where I go big. He says, manage stress with mindfulness and breath. Deep breathing exercises can reduce cortisol, studies show, and developing mindful awareness about our own stress and its triggers will help relieve that stress and reduce cortisol. He says that research shows that mindfulness-based stress reduction lowers cortisol in the body. So if you if you haven't really spent time learning about mindfulness, please do so. I won't go into too much detail here. Uh, I have a podcast or two specifically on mindfulness. I think one of them says something like, grab your ponytail and your yoga mat. You know, we're going to learn mindfulness once and for all or something like that. But remember that mindfulness is not about trying to clear the the mind of thought. I think a lot of people get intimidated because they say, man, my mind is going a million miles an hour and I just, I can't slow it down. A daily mindfulness practice, and, and I'll just break this down to its, its most simple uh, concepts, are a practice of in through the nose and out through the mouth breathing. Three or four seconds in, three or four seconds out. And for those of us that have a nice ADD or ADHD challenge like myself, I will literally say in on the in-breath in my head, out through the out-breath in my head. And what you're doing in that practice is you're not trying to clear your brain, but you're trying to just, you are thinking of breathing. And when you're thinking of just breathing and concentrating on the breath, What are you not thinking of at that moment? You're not thinking of the stressful events of the day. And as soon as you aren't thinking about the breathing, your brain's going to say, okay, I'm running with this thought. And then when you notice, okay, I notice that now I'm not thinking about my breathing again. You just kind of gently bring some awareness to your thoughts and say, all right, I see your thought. And now just kind of go right back to the breathing. There is an exercise that I find myself doing often. And I practice it throughout the day. And if I do it, if there's ever a time that I'm struggling to go to sleep at night, and it literally is one where I count in on the in breath, and I try to go about three or four seconds. I count two on the out breath, same thing, three or four seconds. I would then count three on the in breath, and I just try to get to 10. Try it. And and it's just, um, it's so amazing because you'll be one, two, three, four, unicorns, the day, what I have going, well, you know, all right, I see, I see, I'm not, I'm not counting my breath anymore. And when, as soon as you recognize it, start over, you know, one on the in breath, two on the out breath, three on the in breath. And then at that point, all of a sudden now I'm thinking of all the things I have to do the next day or, or emails I have to answer or what's a good podcast idea. Oh, okay. When I recognize that, go right back to the breathing. Just try to get to 10. And every now and again, you'll find that all of a sudden I'm at 14 or 15. That's the same thing. I wasn't really being present even in trying to count to 10 because I blew right past 10. So those are things that you can do just laying in your bed. You don't have to have an app. You don't have to have a, a video on or that sort of thing. So just start practicing that those deep breathing exercises because they do reduce cortisol. And that's the part where when you're doing the deep breathing exercises, you're, you know, when you're, when you're starting to have this cortisol response and you're starting to get into fight or flight mode, your heart rate is elevating. And the higher that your heart rate elevates, the more of this stress response uh, happens and occurs, which then now we know produces more cortisol. So you're in this, again, this kind of endless loop. So when you can just start to turn to your breath and your breathing, when you can just stop your heart rate from elevating, now all of a sudden we can start to lower those cortisol levels because your body is, is in a sense, tricked into 
thinking that we're okay, that maybe we don't have to go into fight or flight mode. So he also talked about changing patterns of negative thinking can also reduce cortisol. Um, he says negative, angry, self-critical thoughts can lead to cortisol spikes. And studies show that when we address these patterns, um, cortisol levels can go down. He says a positive outlook is also linked to better sleep and that mindfulness is a powerful contributor there. So I really want to take two seconds on this. One of the podcasts that I have been meaning to do for a while, and I mentioned this a while ago, is one of them is on this concept of cognitive distortions. And it's some of this, you know, these like all or nothing thinking or black or white thinking or that sort of thing. But there, there's, there's so much amazing data there that talks about you, what do you do with those thoughts when you do have these all or nothing thoughts? Or So when Dr. Michael's talking about changing patterns of negative thinking, so I'm a big practitioner of acceptance and commitment therapy. And, and I'm going to go big here for a second. And I know this one doesn't necessarily fit into the sleep and cortisol. So if you've still stuck with me, here's a little bonus. So I, I have found that in my practice, and there's a lot of acceptance and commitment therapy data, I think that backs this up, is that for a lot of people, they employ this, I just need to change my thoughts. I just need to try to be happy. And so the, the problem is when someone just says, all right, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be happy. That's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to be happy. So I, I, it's a great idea. And I want to be happy as well. I am one of the most optimistic people. That I, I try to be one of the most optimis, optimistic people in the room. But when I wake up in the morning and I say, I'm, I got this, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to, I'm going to be happy all day. And I might get to my office and there's, uh, there's a client going through something or there's, you know, I forget about something financial or literally right now I am watching a spider walk across my desk. That elevates my cortisol response and I cannot get to him. And that is pretty crazy. So, uh, so there we go. I'm going to be happy. And all of a sudden a spider, where'd he go? A spider is now in my office. And so, uh, I will now be very mindful and, uh, breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth. That's uh, that's fun to happen kind of live right there. But there we go. So now all of a sudden, if I was going to just be happy and not worry about things, uh, I am feeling a stress response right now. So you can see that then now I, all of a sudden, if your whole goal was, I'm just going to be happy all day, now people can immediately go to the, okay, what's wrong with me? You know, why, why can't I just maintain this happy vibe throughout the day? So one way to combat negative thoughts is just to say, is to make room for them. Say, all right, there they are. I mean, that's, I'm human. I'm going to see a spider crawl, crawl across my desk in the middle of a podcast, and I'm going to have the feels about it. I'm going to kind of get overly anxious about it. And that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I can't tell, I shouldn't tell myself, man, don't, don't, re don't respond that way. I shouldn't be thinking that. I shouldn't care. It's like, well, no, I'm a human. I don't like spiders. So, uh, so that one's going to, so I need to just make room for that. And so I need to just kind of say, okay, it's, it's okay. It's normal. It's human to have that response and then just try to get back to being present, which is what I'm trying to do right now. And I'm trying to get back to focusing on the recording of the podcast. That was, uh, that was kind of fun. All right. Thank you, Spider, for being a part of um, my podcast. Look at that mindfulness response. Thank you, Spider. I wish you well. I hope you have a great day. Um, okay, now I'm kind of lying, though. I really hope that I can find him here in a little bit and uh, gently squish him. Is that a mindfulness phrase? Or I will let him outside if I can catch him. That's what I'll say that I'll do. Uh, okay, so let me get to uh, a little bit more here. Um, he also talks about, uh, Dr. Michael talks about, just again, better sleep. That's one of our goals. He says consider supplements. I don't know enough about these supplements, but um, Dr. Michael is the sleep doctor. He says several supplements 
may help sleep, uh, that may help with sleep, but can also help lower cortisol. He said that uh, elevated cortisol is associated with deficiencies in omega-3 fatty acids, and research suggests that omega-3 fatty acids may improve cortisol levels. There's also L-theanine or, or theanine and magnesium, uh, two natural supplements that have demonstrated benefits for sleep may also help to keep the HPA access functioning at healthful levels and therefore keep cortisol levels in check. But he says, try your best not to stress about cortisol. Just take steps to manage it. Sleep is both a tool and a beneficiary of attention to keeping stress in check and cortisol levels healthy. And uh, Dr. Michael signs off with the sleep, uh, sweet dreams. So there you have it. Um, if you are struggling with, with sleep, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a completely diagnosed sleep disorder, then it's, it would do you some good to be aware of your stress response. And how can you lower cortisol levels? Again, through things like yoga or tai chi, mindfulness, uh, practice your breathing, even when it's not just right then at night. Practice it when you wake up in the morning. You can practice it when you're sitting around uh, during the day. I highly recommend a mindfulness practice. I'm still this a big lover of the app called Headspace and try to do that on a daily basis. And that really does cause you to think mindfully throughout the day. If you cannot tell, I am still, <laughs> I think my, I wonder what this sounds like on the microphone. My head is just bobbing like crazy because I'm looking for this uh, spider. And I think he was pretty small, but now in my head, I've got him worked up to be a very giant spider, which, all right, uh, I will end with this. Um, matter of fact, I saw this client not too long ago in my office now. I moved about a year ago, but I was in, uh, this was when I was in an old, old office of mine and I was sitting there and the client, um, he was wearing flip-flops, sandals, whatever we call them out here in California. And he just grabs his flip-flop and just makes a move at me. And if I didn't trust this guy, I would have thought that he was about to smack me with his flip-flop. But he just smacks a spider on the wall that was kind of near where my chair was. And I just remember that. I mean, he was in mid-sentence. And this guy was dealing with a lot of stuff in his life. But he just gave a, gave a smack to this spider and uh, took care of it on my wall. So I'm kind of anticipating that might be the case today that uh, somebody's going to be sitting on my couch across from me and they're going to see a spider crawling across the wall. Hopefully they have flip-flops. All right. Have a wonderful day. Um, I Stay safe. We're, we're, you know, I, I know I want to be one of these guys saying this too, but we're going to get through this. I mean, we are. I, I work with some amazing clients. I can never break confidentiality, but I have a lot of people that are on the front lines, a lot of people on the front lines, uh, people that have already had COVID-19. I've had people that um, that are just struggling with, uh, you know, fear and worry around uh, the, the, this uh, coronavirus, the COVID-19. And, and I have some people that are involved in some pretty, pretty exciting things that are, that I think can help, you know, help us uh, find a, uh, uh, what a vaccine for this in the not too distant future, or even more exciting ways or quick ways to test. So I wish I could say more on that, but just know that we're going to be okay. And, uh, and I look forward to talking to you next time on the virtual couch. Hey, and also going out as usual is the wonderful, the talented Aurora Florence with her song. It's wonderful. You can find this on Apple Music or other places that you get your streaming or downloadable music. And her project, The Anxious Taxidermist, is incredible. And it is coming soon. I cannot wait till you get a chance to watch that. So, Aurora, take us away. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter most It's wonderful I have to wonder Which ghost is mine 
Strengths and power. 